Welcome to an episode of Leah and the Internet. I hope you enjoy the show. Leah and the Internet is a show featuring rotating guests who discuss the impact the internet has on the world. So who's Leah Devin Sorrentino? I'm an artist currently living in San Francisco. On today's episode, guest host Emily and my good friend and Instagram master discuss social media's effects on friendship, dating, and the way people curate their lives online. So I have Emily Eaton here with me via the internet to talk about a bunch of social media impacts on relationships and people. So Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am based in Minneapolis. I work um, in advertising here and you can find me on the internet at pretty much any platform at ERE, yeah, you know me. Every time I read that, I'm always like, I think about it in like OPP. E-R-E, yeah. yeah, you know me. I'm, I'm... That's, the, that's the point. A lot of people don't get that. <laughs> I basically have to unfriend them. Makes sense. We've talked a lot. We are friends in real life, uh, friends in internet life. And I've talked about you so much on this podcast and previous podcast that it just felt like it, it was time that people heard your side of everything. <laughs> And since I've moved from Minneapolis, a lot of our interactions have been online. Like our friendship has moved from real world to digital world. It's made me think about the impact that social media and the internet has had on relationships in general. And very recently, there was a a horrific attack in France that many people know about because of the internet. Um, It's got a large reach. And one of the interesting things that Facebook has done in terms of letting people know that your friends and loved ones are safe is that that you can now mark yourself safe. And I had a friend, my friend Kelly Morton is in Paris and she was able to do that. And I had this moment where I was like, man, one, this is like an incredible relief and an amazing use of this tool. But there's so much about friendships now that I, I get to know because of the visibility that this platform provides and you were telling me a story before we started recording about like the difference between now and 15 years ago yeah my um aunt is a flight attendant and she travels a lot now back and forth to paris so right away when i heard about the attacks i was wondering is she there is she okay all of that and went on Facebook and right away was able to see that she marked herself safe and it was just that easy and I was thinking back to when um, the terrorist attacks of 9-11 happened and how it took a good 20 hours for us to get in contact with her to see if she was all right or if any of her coworkers were affected and just how much easier that is and no work at all like I haven't even talked to her all I know is that she's in Paris in a hotel and she'll be there for a while but she's safe. That's all I really need to know. Yeah, I think about this even as recently as Hurricane Sandy. I'm from New Jersey, and it took a a really long time to find out that my brother was safe because they lost electricity and and things along those lines. Um, But cell phones still worked, but there was no, you know, uh, there was no function like this. Uh And you mentioned, like, that immediate peace of mind where, like, it's, it's not about, like, effort in, like, oh, this is so much effort to find out if you're okay. It's, uh-huh. it's more like, it's like this ease of knowing 
so quickly and being able to like start rebuilding and moving on from fear and worry that's like an extreme situation like you know this terrible thing has happened and there's now a social media functionality that lets like easier for us to find out about loved ones and stuff but i find that since i've lived remotely you know from my friends in philadelphia and now my friends in minneapolis that social media has allowed like a window into the lives of all of my friends that I couldn't normally stay connected to uh-huh. uh, in a way that it doesn't, I go home and I don't feel like I'm so lost from what everybody's been doing every day. I get to see my friends' babies. I get to know if someone's changed a job. I, I get like all of the highlights it doesn't replace them in my life, but it doesn't make me feel so alienated. Right. And you get to see what people had for their breakfast and lunch and dinner. <laughs> There's also the point of, you know, you also get the information of a bunch of people you that are not important to you. Right. Recently, I read an article that there are jobs that are actually... The idea of unfriending somebody on Facebook or not friending them at all is considered workplace harassment, like workplace bullying. (laughs) (laughs) And... (laughs) What world do we live in? And at first when I read it, I thought like, oh my God, this is is insane. I don't want to be friends with someone online and I don't want them to know my personal business. You know, there was like a separation between like work and life. (laughs) We've moved into a place where our online selves are just as important as our offline selves. I don't know, you work in in a company that is like much more forward thinking, especially in advertising, and it's much Mm -hmm. more social. And it's, I see so much of your life, like your work life in your social media, that Uh like Periscope actually came to mind of like, yeah, I could see why somebody not being included on something online could find that alienating in a workplace. Yeah, definitely. And because it is such a creative place to be working at you want to have your internet personality out there and visible you know you're never I'm never going to go private on Instagram because I'm proud of the stuff I put on there and that's what gets attention and my boss's boss could come up to me and say wow that drawing that you made of Kanye West for president in 2020 was really great <laughs> like shit you follow me awesome <laughs> like thanks and then it can spark that conversation that can lead into You know, just the attention from people that you would normally not interact with on a day-to-day basis at work. So I, uh, full disclosure, have been watching a lot of Friends on Netflix, (laughs) (laughs) the show. And I originally, when I was thinking about the workplace bullying um, in terms of like not friending somebody on social media or unfriending them on social media, I thought about it in terms of, oh, that's so silly. But there was an episode where Rachel was working for Ralph Lauren and her boss and her her boss's co-worker would go outside and smoke cigarettes together, right? And then they would make all these decisions because they had this, like, insular private moment together. And Rachel was being excluded, and it was, like, this big point of contention. And that's what I realize is essentially the the online version of this is now what you're saying, the the Instagram, uh, like, keeping that not private, or, like, jokes online that are between co-workers or, like common language that is only seen through Facebook and, uh-huh. and building that relationship. It's essentially Rachel being a non-smoker and friends. <laughs> like, Right. We Snapchat a lot at work and it's a lot of inside jokes and, <laughs> and it's like this like secret way of communicating that only, you know, I share with maybe like five people at work. 
and it's all through Snapchat. Can you imagine if you decided to like block one of those five people and them going to your HR department? Emily (laughs) will no longer Snapchat me. It would probably escalate to that because I'm a really good Snapchatter. (laughs) You are really good at Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. I try to mimic your Snapchat game every once in a while and then just give up. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the I best can... ones come out, come out of a really boring day where I have nothing else to do. And it's like, let's just make a Snapchat story for the day. Recently, there was a famous Instagram per- persona. I didn't know who this human being was, but they decided to quit Instagram. You uh, brought it, this to a, to my attention. Can you tell like the a little bit about this one Instagram quote-unquote celebrity who decided to quit Instagram because their whole thing was that it was like a fictitious relationship with them and the people that they participated online with. Yep, so it was, I'm not sure how old she is. I think she's maybe like 19 or 20, Australian, and she had millions of followers on Instagram and was getting constant work through different companies. Hey, wear my swimsuit, get paid a couple thousand dollars, go to this club, we'll get you a table and service and we'll pay you an extra 5G type of work. And This sounds like the life. I don't understand. I have a lot to say about this. But And it got to the point where some other famous Instagram guy was direct messaged her and was like, hey, we should get together and create this relationship for Instagram. Like people will freak out and it'll like bring together all of our followers so we can like work off of each other and get more and more. And apparently she was like, had to like step back and be like, what is going on? How is this my real life? She's younger. She's trying to figure herself out. So I'm not going to be too hard on her, but she decided to quit all social media because she felt like she'd been spending the past two years of her life curating this perfect, you know, face, perfect body, perfect clothing, and eventually she was going to about to go into this perfect relationship that was all not real. Now, if I was a teenager and on Instagram, I could understand the confusion of that because your brain hasn't fully developed. Sure, you're not like, you're like still trying out who you're going to be as a person. Right, and it is probably overwhelming to like realize that you have millions and millions of followers. But me right now being 30... Like, shit, I would try to be so above that and just melt everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is the dream. Like, I think the key to being an Instagram entrepreneur is to see above and realize, yeah, you're being fake. Like, I really don't look like this every day. I don't make perfect meals every day. But I'm going to try hard to make it be this life and get paid. Yeah, what I find interesting where this person commented like this isn't my real life these aren't my real relationships is that in reality though it is her real life i think that this is tripping up a lot of relationships friendships romantic parental um in terms of how we interact with one another online versus offline and there's this assumption that if you put it online that there's some type of fictitiousness to it and yeah, there are bold-faced lies, like she could say that she's in a relationship with this man and never actually be in a relationship, but if she's spending time with him and interacting with him and participating, that is a relationship. If she actually is wearing those swimsuits and going to those places, what it seems like the bigger qualm is, is not that the social media aspect of it was fictitious, it's that she, in her life, doesn't understand why she's doing those things in her real life and then trying to 
say that they're not real to maybe make the shallowness of her existence less her fault. Uh-huh. And I mean, you're right, she's a teenager. But this isn't like the first person. I know people in, you know, not Instagram models who are who do social media purges, right? Like, or yeah. how many times have you seen some type of meme, which is always funny when you see this on Facebook, of like, go to dinner and turn your phone upside down. And the first person who looks at their phone has to pay the check because you're not being present. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we've both been in social situations where if you're heavily participating on your phone or doing Vine videos, it's, it's like this accusation that people will have that you're not being in the moment, right? Right, right. Where I, as somebody who's moved so much, I always focus on like the social media experience of any of my activities because I want to share them with people I care about that I can't physically be in front of. Uh-huh. You know, like I went, I, here's my brag moment. I went on a hike today, and, <laughs> but I shared that with you. I got to the top of this, you know, I won't call it a mountain. Let's say a steep hill. <laughs> And I, I Snapchatted that to you and um, some other our friends in Minneapolis and my boyfriend who travels, I got to send it to him because those people couldn't be with me for that moment that was really great. I mean, if you and I were sitting at dinner and you were on your phone 24-7, there would be a point where I'd be like, okay, like, unless you're making vines of me, let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I also think I don't like when people say, get off your phone or put your phone away or anything like that. Cause I'm not going to apologize for one, trying to make art two trying to create memories and three, trying to share those memories. Like what's the big deal? Yeah, you're right. I love photography. I love having those memories. Sad story, but all of my family pictures, like through like the first 18 years of my life were all burned in a fire. And so like, I'm super obsessed with, preserving those memories now like my iCloud is like as big as Russia of photos that I keep now so it's like I'm not gonna apologize for that I think some of it is a generational divide about what does it mean to be invested in a relationship and what does it mean to be present Uh and like I completely understand my mom when I was a kid was like very obsessed with always bringing the video camera to everything that we did I mean she hundreds of hours in footage of just really mundane stuff that we did in our lives and I feel like that has like now embedded in me and that's how I use my social media and to me that that's family that's how I can express myself and preserve those things that you're talking about and it's also how I get to let people know, I feel like it it does build upon my relationships and my friendships. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a viral story about a group of girls that went to a baseball game. Do you remember this? And they took like a selfie and then, you know, all these people started making fun of them for not like participating in the, you know, watching baseball. Right. I remember thinking about this. I was like, one, I love baseball. Baseball can be boring. There's so yeah. many moments <laughs> that, like, y- you have the time to take a selfie or two. Right. But they were saying how these girls weren't in- invested in the, the, and, like, weren't present for one another, but they were taking group photos. There was camaraderie and laughter and enjoyment and... Posing with hot dogs. Like, yeah. It, what's so wrong with that? I, I don't see how these tools have diminished 
our friendships. I think that they kind of like accelerate friendships uh-huh. if you think about it like I you can learn so much about somebody from their social media profile I recently went to a dinner for a friend's birthday this past week and I didn't know anybody else at the dinner and uh-huh. this girl gave me her card which I was like "Ooh, how archaic a card but on it was her Instagram profile and I went to her Instagram profile her name was Sadie uh-huh. and went and looked through all of her pictures, all of her selfies. All of, and it's like, I learned a lot about her in those two hours at dinner. But now I have a wealth of information about this person who maybe when I see them again, I can talk more in depth and more knowledgeable about who I think they are. Right. Um, and then like today, she liked one of my photos. And I looked and it was like from like four weeks ago. And I was like, oh my God, this person did the same thing. Like they, kind of cute. Yeah, like we're exploring one another without... It's so hard, especially as you get older, to make friends. Right? Like it's... It, when you become friends with somebody at a certain age, it's like you're saying, I accept your baggage. <laughs> like... Yeah. And I think that social media lets that unfold faster because you're trying to make up so much time when you meet new people. Uh-huh. But the one thing that I think that the internet also does is kind of create these unrealistic expectations of how relationships are supposed to be. And I think that BuzzFeed's one of the biggest culprits of this. It's so weird because BuzzFeed to me is such a gift and a curse. But I constantly see all of these things, like uh, especially for BuzzFeed BFF, where it's like, take this quiz to see how lovable you and your best friend would be. or take this quiz to see if like you're the introverted friend or and what this content does is what like rom-coms have done for relationships it's just like created like these goals that you can't actually achieve this content makes it seem like this is how you should be participating with one another online yep and i my like mine just goes right to Taylor Swift and that music video she had and how she always brings like all of her best friends on stage in each state that she performs in and it's like the ultimate girl squad goal and yeah squad just, goals hashtag squad, squad goals. goals and it, it just always seems so realistic and forced and it, it doesn't seem real no like for example I was just in Vegas last weekend all my best friends and we definitely were screaming squad goals as we're all sitting there dressed up laying over a (laughs) piano and like sweet drinking champagne post it to instagram everyone's like whoa squad goals but like we're not gonna post the hard times or like us throwing up in the bathroom later that's not really a squad goal yeah club anything like that to that point it's like it's like when things get hard in a real relationship, like a real friendship, and you see all this other fodder online on Instagram, through BuzzFeed, through people's news feeds that like only show these like magical moments with friends that like when you do fight with a friend, it, it almost seems like you'll never recover like from the from the fight, you know? Right. What the internet does allow people to do is forget that Relationships are hard. (laughs) Uh Friendships are hard. When you only see the highlights, it's easy to forget how much work actually has to be put into a friendship to maintain it. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but I think about like my participation, like when I start posting things online, especially like if it's a selfie or something along those lines, I have this expectation 
that like you, for example, will like it within like a certain amount of time, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like yes. if, it, if it goes like a day and you haven't liked my selfie, I would be like, what is happening to our is friendship? You know, and um, I think about that. There's there's some people that like I like obligatorily will make sure I like something that they're doing. Um, my friend Kelly that I mentioned at the beginning of this, you know, conversation that who's in Paris, uh, what Kelly is interested in is not always like she's like a, a free spirit. And I would I would call her a hippie at heart. She's not like she doesn't smell like patchouli and like doesn't have like white people dreadlocks or anything like that. Thank God. <laughs> but unlike, like, I'm a pretty uptight person, and I feel that I'm, like, much more, like, pragmatic and analytical. She is, uh-huh. like, way more easygoing. And there's times where she'll post, you know, beautiful murals, but, like, that's not my thing. And I'm always like, but Ke- I know this is making Kelly happy, so yeah. I got to like it. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I have one of my really good friends, and we always have this kind of, it started as a joke, but now it's, like, quite serious as to where when we post something either on Instagram or Facebook we text each other and he's like hey will you like my post on Instagram hey will you like my post on Facebook (laughs) I'm like hey I need a like and a comment if you can do that that'd be great and it was like haha funny at first but now it's like yeah I expect that and something that I really need to get over personally is I get really upset when people friends of mine like a few days later they'll text me and they'll be like oh, wow, you went to Bar La Grasse the other night. Like, what did you get? Was it good? And it's like, okay, you only know that because of Instagram. And if I go through my 55 likes, you weren't one of them. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, don't ask me how my pasta was. Like it first. And then ask me. <laughs> and I just, I hate myself for that, but it's true. I'm pretty guilty of that as well. One of my best friends, Molly May, who I've also collaborated with on videos and that, you're also close with, we used to work together and I would immediately when I post something, I would turn to her. We sat maybe three feet from one another. Did you see that? on? And I would go like, did you see that online? Did you like it? (laughs) Like like immediately to where it became like a joke. But now when I post something, I am like, did she see it online? Did she like it? (laughs) And sometimes when I'm mad at one of my friends or loved ones I won't like their stuff on Instagram (laughs) well you know I totally feel that I was thinking about that when we were going to be talking about friendships and the internet and social media and there are times where I do stop participating with people online it's the friends that I either stop talking to because of distance or because like it's again that idea that relationships are work and the reason why I would I would be surprised if you or Molly or my best friend Harold stopped liking my stuff or stopped participating with me is because I put so much energy and time into those relationships, you know? <laughs> I view our social interactions as an extension of the work that I feel that the friendship deserves and needs. And yeah. I think about this in terms of like posting on people's Facebook walls for their birthdays. I like never do it. And I talked about that in a previous podcast. Um, when we were talking, uh, I think it was episode four, when we were talking about milestones. And the only time I'll post on somebody's social media pages about their birthday is when I know them well enough to know that they will find it really important 
that I bothered to do it. Right. And you you make it really, like you made a photo for me for my birthday on my Facebook wall of, it's like, it looks like a screenshot from your phone of like Kanye texting me happy birthday. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was the most amazing piece of art I've ever seen. (laughs) And it meant a lot. But I'm right with you as to like, I'm not going to write someone's wall like, happy B-Day XO. No. It's like uh, about that reciprocation. Like, I know that this person isn't keeping the friendship at a surface level, that there's so much more to it, you know? And that's why there is sometimes where I would be withholding. And like I've said before, like, oh, it's not like people like consciously think I'm not going to like this, but it's true. Because liking something is saying I'm... I approve of this person and their actions. Yeah. They're actually an asshole that is very aware that you are upset with them, then I'm not going to interact with you via social media. I think it's because social media isn't necessarily viewed as a communication tool yet. It's still in this state where people use it as a personal platform. Not everybody does that. Like what we're talking about is we're maintaining friendships using this communication tool. But when you interact with people online who are only using it as the personal platform, then the interactions don't feel genuine and they don't feel like they're contributing to nurturing a friendship or a relationship. They feel like they're kind of exploiting a friendship or a relationship. Uh I think that that that's been an interesting shift in terms of like thinking about social media and as a tool and how it's used for dating. We've talked a lot about friendships, but the internet has had like a giant impact on people hooking up. Like... (laughs) And I, so I, uh, my first person that I met to go on a date with from the internet was through Friendster way back in the day that just aged me immediately. (laughs) And I remember when I met him off of Friendster, we were sending each other poems about pizza back and forth through the message application in the tool. Uh And I told people that I was going to meet somebody from Friendster And it was received as if I was the most embarrassing person in the world. (laughs) um, It was not socially acceptable to be online dating yet. Everybody thought that he was going to be a serial killer. Um, Uh It did turn out to be an incredibly weird experience. And it was the first time I ever saw porn in my life. <laughs> I, I well now I feel like I need to kind of explain what happened. So I go and meet this man from Friendster. Um, I was 19, he was 25. We went to get pizza because we were sending poems about pizza. And uh-huh. somehow in the conversation, he says, "Oh, I'm surprised that you met me because I listed one of my interests as porn." Keep in mind, he also listed his interests as knitting kite flying, like a lot of random things. And I was like, well... Did you see the porn before the date? Did you see that? I didn't even remember it. So no, like it didn't like register in my mind. And if it did, there was all these comical things. So I said to him, I was like, well, I, I assumed it was a joke. I mean, like most men like porn, so I don't find it to be that weird. Being So then I confessed to him, being raised by same-sex parents, I have never seen porn. Most people discover, like, Playboys from their dad or, like, you know, Skinamax or something like that. But having same-sex parents, I was never really interested in actively finding pornography that they might have. So (laughs) uh, I never saw it. And I was 19, never saw porn. And he was like, what? You've never seen porn? Well, we've got to go rent some porn. And me being 19, I was like, oh, yeah, duh. (laughs) 
So we go to a video store, which does no back longer. Back <laughs> back get yet. porn at a video store. <laughs> and I didn't have an account there, and neither did he. So I rented it under my college friend's mom's <laughs> account at the TLA on South Street in Philadelphia. And we decided to rent one old and one new, you know, like as if it was wine or something. Yes. <laughs> so <Aged> now <laughs> I go home to this stranger's house and his roommate's there and his roommate's even older than him. Still no alarms going off in Leah's mind from the Friendster, like right <laughs> from the the Friendster guy or his now slightly creepy roommate and we decide to start with Rocco's Reverse Gangbang, the new pornography. And we're all laughing and it's funny and then all of a sudden nobody is laughing anymore except for me. Wait, <laughs> were you watching it with his roommate? Yes, too? yes. <laughs> so finally, um the roommate just out of nowhere is like, oh I need to go. I need to go walk my dog and I'm like, okay. Ew walk the dog and then the other guy who, who now i've been at his house for a little bit turns to me and he goes would you like to take a tour of my apartment and i was like um uh, okay and he goes to like walk upstairs and i was like well can we start with the kitchen like <laughs> and he's like well i just i just wanted to sh- i just wanted to show you my bedroom and i was like um i think i need to take my porn and go home and like i quickly packed everything up and ran home and that was the first time I met somebody online and saw pornography. <laughs> that is a lot of money in therapy. Yeah, uh, but you know what? The, the internet dating has wow. changed since then. Um, <laughs> and I am currently seeing somebody that I met off of Tinder. Yes. And I can say that to people and it's not looked at as the same way as when I met someone from Friendster, you know? Yeah. That impact that social media that has had on dating is that it's made it so much more transactional, right? Like you can get a date and you can order things off of Amazon and you can do it on the same device, right? Like uh-huh. I'm gonna order books, I'm gonna go to Instacart and get some groceries. Oh, and let me let me go chat with Bay, you know, see. <laughs> and I saw an article recently where this woman was uh, really astonished that she went on a date, an internet date, and uh, they went and got coffee, and she expressed to him that she wasn't interested in him, and he asked for his money back, like, for the coffee. It's like you bought a pair of leggings at Old Navy, and they have a hole in them. Like, Can I get my money back? And I totally, I first read that, and I was like, oh my god, that's so ridiculous. But then I was like, this totally makes sense. Like, this is where we've moved into when it comes to dating. It's so, it's like a negotiation, you know? Uh-huh. Well, it's just so interesting how there's so many platforms for dating and you put yourself out there. And when you make a profile, you're basically saying, hey, I'm looking for someone to date. I'm looking for a relationship or probably I'm looking to hug up. (laughs) And when you go walk into a bar, you have no idea who's single, who's taken, if anyone's looking for anything. It's just like so two different ways of meeting people. Meeting people in real life is nearly impossible now yeah especially as you get older um meeting people in their 30s who are single and or if they're single stable and normal it's like right it was like west it's like western expansion right like like when the when the pioneers went out 
to slaughter a bunch of Native Americans and take a bunch of land. They didn't know, <laughs> like, what would be out there. And that's what it's like if you're single and you go to a party in your 30s and you think that you might meet somebody. You might. No, you're the only single one there. Yeah, and if you do, what's wrong with the other single person? <laughs> exactly. Why is he single? Yeah, why is she single? Like, it's one way. There's some of, like, the, the previous mystique of trying to develop a relationship offline that hasn't transferred online right like you're right it's so much more clear what somebody's intentions are but I feel like you know even five years ago there was like three people that you would see on internet dating sites they would either be people who recently moved somewhere and had no network people who exhausted their friend network or people who were so socially awkward that they could only get a date online we're now like everybody's on tinder like th- it has nothing Even to do relationships are on there yeah which is, is a little shady but <laughs> yeah not saying that's okay so it, like the whole dynamic has changed and previously i was even on okcupid i don't know have were you ever on okcupid oh uh, yeah one time a friend set up a account for me my name was something like likes it up the ass or something so Ooh. how serious <laughs> i took that account <laughs> on the record I've, I've signed up for like online dating things but i have never met anyone on online like gone above and beyond in the end i ended up making a few tumblr accounts based off of tinder experiences of like <laughs> you know experience of talking to men and or just judging them by their pictures but yeah yeah. I'm a little like too prude for online dating I was on OkCupid before I went on Tinder and I met like a handful of people and dated a handful of people from OkCupid. I dated one guy when I first moved to Minneapolis who was like a really awesome guy for like a year uh, we just weren't we just weren't right for one another, but that would that turned out okay. But before that happened, I went on like date after date after date when I first moved to Minneapolis because I was in grad school and I was broke and I wanted people to take me out to dinner. <laughs> so, uh, but I also wanted to meet people, and uh, at first I was like, oh my god, all these guys are broken. Like there's something wrong with them until I met the uh-huh. one I dated for a while. And then um, I wasn't on OkCupid for a while. And then I went back to it and had a, another string of bad experiences. And then what I realized that it is so different between OkCupid and Tinder is that OkCupid, you have to fill out a profile like you would uh, Facebook. And uh-huh. you have all these specific photos, but you get to write about yourself and who you think that you are or who you want to be perceived as. And then the person who's scrolling these profiles, like I would read about these people and you like fall in love with this fictitious version of who they present themselves on OkCupid. Like, oh, they like the same books I do and the same movies and the they run and they're helping out with the Humane Society and they're perfect. And yeah. then... You meet them and it takes you a little bit longer to realize, no, those were a bunch of lies and who cares if we both like Moonrise Kingdom and like, they're actually just a piece of shit. Anything (laughs) Wes Anderson. Yeah. (laughs) Where Tinder, at least like I feel, to go back to that transactional, like, would I fuck you, yes or no? Okay, let's meet, and now you have to tell me about yourself. So it's it's almost like it's starting to bridge that I'm meeting somebody at the bar, so I don't know anything about them. But you also get the security of knowing that they are into you physically and they're interested in dating. It's like this weird new hybrid. Yeah. But, you know, some things that, like, 
never change or they change, but they evolve is where I'm going with this is a, a meme that has hit the internet by storm about the way contemporary dating called Netflix and chill. <laughs> and Emily is somebody who is on Vine quite often. Can you explain? Shout out to Vine. Yeah, shout out to Vine big time. Can you can you inform everybody what Netflix and chill implies? Netflix and chill basically is an invitation to come over and pretend that, you know, it's going to be a very PG night, but obviously <laughs> it's not. Like you're going to put on a movie and turn to each other and fireworks. and it's just a really easy clean way of saying it I mean not really clean anymore since everyone knows what it means but even before we started recording we were talking about the things that we used to say to get people to come home with us and my little line was like come over and play battleship like it's just a super innocent thing but you know, yeah, I would always mind. say, like, in Philly, like, the 40 Reigns King is the beverage of choice. And I would always be like, oh, let's go get some 40s and watch some movies, which essentially meant let's make out and see what happens. Uh, I remember inviting somebody over once for 40s and to watch movies. And then it was starting to get, like, 2 a.m. And finally, I just turned to him and I was like, so are we doing this or what? Like, what is- like, are we actually just watching movies? <laughs> yeah, I definitely never even pulled out a battleship. I don't think I own battleships. <laughs> I don't know where it even came from. It's just like this innocent game. Haha. <laughs> what but, I think is really cool about Netflix and chill, I mean, I guess nothing's cool about it. It's it's like just talking about trying to, like, impregnate women. But, like... <laughs> But what is, I think, funny about Netflix and chill is we're 40s in a movie. Like, that's not something my mom would say. We're Netflix and chill because Netflix impacts, like, every generation right now. Uh Uh, When you say that, I bet you your dad now knows what Netflix and chill means. And also, if we went into a high school and said Netflix and chill, it's like like a more universal language of, like, let's hook up. Right. And... Like you said, it's all over the internet. It, I think it originated on Twitter and then moved into Vine and memes. And there's, like, pictures of pregnant women, like, this all happened because of Netflix, Netflix and, and chill. chill. <laughs> like, Netflix and chill is to blame for, like, this unwanted child. <laughs> People get pretty rough with Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of aggressive. I do have trouble with Vine is that often especially on like the comedy channel for the most popular content it's usually incredibly degrading towards women and netflix and chill like you're saying is is the the perpetrator of like unwanted children or like girl comes over and actually thinks we're watching netflix and like bag gets all ticked and yeah and that portion of it where something there's something kind of nice about this like sweet way of being like netflix and chill and then there's also like the I'm going to trick you into a scenario. (laughs) I'm going to trick you into sticking my penis inside of you. The term and concept of friend zoning has existed far beyond the internet, but friend zoning now is a meme as this idea that um, a man wants to pursue a woman and likes them romantically, but they feel that they're, (laughs) for lack of a pun, being dicked around. Uh, Mm -hmm. by the woman and being put in the quote-unquote friend zone because she doesn't want to have a romantic relationship with that person. And that's also, like, in terms of, like, Netflix and chill and the friend zone of this constantly putting the woman in a situation 
where they think that they're having one interaction, but really the agenda is something else. Uh-huh. That's the moments where, like, the internet still reminds me that as far forward as we think we are as a society with all of our cool technology, we're really not that much further than we've ever been in terms of how males perceive women in relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, as a woman putting herself out on the internet, how that opens up so many doors for men to think it's okay to be super inappropriate or harass, leave comments, direct message, because it's a lot easier to do it on the internet versus in person, although sure. it's not hard for a lot of men to be assholes and say inappropriate things in person, but... <laughs> I have to go through some of my, like, Instagram pictures and delete creepy comments from people that I don't know. And, like, I don't want my dad to see some guy commenting about, like, I'm not even going to go there. But, you know, it's just, like... No, it, it, it's very disheartening. And from going from OkCupid to Tinder, I almost got desensitized to, like, getting disgusting messages. And I don't think that men understand... And having like a majority male friends and a lot of them who have dated online and they don't understand like why women are so reticent to like talk to them or interact with them within those messages. And I would, I usually try to explain to them. It's like women doesn't matter what you look like. will get onslaughts of messages on social media, like dating uh-huh. uh, applications. And I would say half if not 75 percent of them are just completely inappropriate and degrading and you have to constantly sift through that or you have to wait for somebody to start like sometimes you'll have like a normal interaction and then all of a sudden dick pic (laughs) and i don't think that men understand that aspect of online dating for women or like i don't think that you know when you see things like friend zone and you know the degrading netflix and chill it also might mean that they just don't even care <laughs> right because putting yourself out there as a woman on online dating apps or just online in general is just another door that you open up to get harassed yeah or just another avenue to have to deal with the judgment of your physical appearance uh-huh. um one of the, another major reason why i stopped using okcupid is that they actually curate uh who you'll see based off of how attractive they think you are or how attractive you've been rated so eventually while well, rate people oh yeah you can everybody can google that <laughs> so if you're like a plus size person or full bodied or i don't i never know the correct terms uh-huh. um yeah <laughs> uh but even like if you're a specific ethnicity or if your teeth are fugly and people constantly rate you below average, then eventually they will only show you other people with a similar rating. And it's essentially implying that nobody will love you except for the other people at your level. It's really sad. It's incredibly sad. And um, I had an ex-boyfriend. I guess I still have him as an (laughs) ex-boyfriend. He's not dead. Um, Who joined OkCupid after we broke up and we were were still friends and are friends. And um, he told me that he received an email of like, hey, you've been noted as being handsome. So now you'll get to see other beautiful people. (laughs) And uh, I, that's how I originally found out, okay, Cupid's got a scoring system where Tinder, it's all based off of geolocation. And I think that that's a much more, I mean, it, the, what a cruel world to say that if you're a big woman, that you will only get to see big men. Like that no yeah. other, and vice versa, if you're a big man, that the only, th- you know, people that will be made available to you are other 
larger women who says who can who loves who and what people are into and it's uh it's just another way that you constantly have to think about your appearance online uh-huh. but let's talk a little bit about like actually being in a relationship and now like with the idea that social media we've talked about how much um it's made like our parts of our lives so visible to everyone our relationships and our uh, experiences are not just shared between like you know our partners it's shared with everybody and there's it's a statement to not display your love on social media and you shared with me a Huffington Post article about this woman writing that how her husband doesn't post anything about their relationship on social media yeah so it was just not the best article but it's just an example of how obsessed our culture is with putting relationships and declaring love for one another on social media and once again it's kind of like that curated love and how it's more important to her that he doesn't do that because she wants to be in love with him in real life and not faking these pictures on date night of them (laughs) wine and man crush monday woman crush wednesday whatever it's called posting that but yeah so i you know you see a lot on instagram and facebook couples that are posting their love for one another. And I know a lot of friends are like, oh, another friend of mine got engaged on Facebook, so it's so annoying, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that it's right to judge someone for posting if they got engaged on Facebook. Like, that's awesome, who cares? But to me, spending time with my loved ones, people that I care about, real interactions, I'm not really too concerned about, like, getting a photo to post on Man Crush Monday. I think about this a lot because I'm pretty private with most of my romantic relationships online. And Uh I think about it two ways because with my friendships and my friends it's like very visible and when I'm doing something fun it's very visible and then when I'm doing things with my significant other I don't share that's in the same way and yes you know uh, at first I, I remember not doing it you know a a while ago because I just I just wanted to keep the door open for other people to <laughs> for other dudes to interact with me if it's going to be some real talk like and I didn't want the relationships to be so public online because I didn't want to possibly exclude other people yeah then I then I wasn't posting uh relationship stuff online because I was teaching and I was befriending students and just something about them knowing uh, the intimate details of my life, like really intimate details, started making me a, a little uncomfortable, right? Like, I don't know if this 19-year-old needs to know who I'm sleeping with and what they look like and that we decided to go to Mount Rushmore, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> something about that seemed slightly weird. Yeah. But now that uh, a good portion of my relationship is long distance because uh, my significant other works for the Travel Channel and travels all the time. I now kind of wish that we had more of an online presence because I miss him, you know? Uh-huh. Where I start to question, well, why don't I show more of us on Instagram? But then I have the flip side where I see other people who are super vocal about their relationships online and it seems almost forced, right? right. Like, and I read an article once where it said that that couples who share, overly share in social media are the least happy. And I was kind of dismissive of the article until I started seeing a lot of people posting the images of their relationships. Like we talked about the friendships where it's just the highlights. Uh-huh. And like I mentioned, being in a long distance relationship, there is a lot of fights that come with a long distance relationship. Yeah. And I'm not posting, you know, pictures of me angry or crying. <laughs> like, 
like talk to Boo today and like with tears running Got down. Got into a fight via Skype. <laughs> I don't know, but th- there's other times, like with the engagement thing that you brought up, like uh-huh. I do feel like that's something that belongs on social media. I do think right. that it's something that you want to, you know, it should be something that's visible. Recently, uh, Sam, the significant other I'm referencing, was mentioned on uh, Bizarre Foods website. That's the show that he works on. And I posted it on my social media profiles because that's an achievement in his career and I want people to know it. But it doesn't really reveal anything intimate or private about us. No. Yeah, when it comes to like my real life, real relationships and people in it, I I tend not to post it to social media too much because that's just the last thing I'm thinking about when I'm with them. Yeah. And it's interesting and shocking and upsetting to me when a lot of like friends will text me later and be like, hey, I didn't see anything on social media about so-and-so. Like, did everything go well? And it's like the first line on my Instagram bio is this is not real life. Like, it's like... I don't know how, like, more blatant I can be about it. It's just not what I'm focused on when I'm actually enjoying myself. And I'm not going to curate some perfect picture of some perfect things. It's usually not that perfect. But it's what's important to me that I'm not going to worry about posting on social media. Yeah, I mean, even as you're saying that, I'm thinking about there's some relationships in my life that the interactions, when I'm, I'm in them, do supersede that need for others to share. So, like, unlike the hike that I went on today with my friend Georgie, who was also a previous guest. Shout out to Georgie. Um, (laughs) I I like sharing that with her and then others out in the world. But then there's other times where I'm with, you know, specific people where I'm so engrossed in that relationship at that moment that there's nothing about it that needs to be shared with someone else, that needs Uh to go anywhere else. It's interesting that you, you mentioned the line in your Instagram bio about like, this is not real life. I think what has changed the most, it's not necessarily that the internet or social media has impacted the way we experience our relationships, but it's the curation that we do on those platforms that really impacts the perception of those friendships and relationships. To highlight a a funny persona, there is a woman on Vine who, I don't know how to use this word, Ah, whatever. I'll be a little controversial here. She looks a little trashy. (laughs) Wearing a Reba t-shirt. Yeah, wearing a Reba t-shirt. Hair a little disheveled, you know, not put together and like goes up to a car and she's like, y'all got a cigarette? And they say no. And she goes like, well, fuck off. (laughs) And then walks away from them. And this vine was like super popular. Uh, I'll post it on to Twitter. So being somebody who's on Vine a lot, I now see this same woman in a lot of comical scenes. And it, I originally thought when I saw the Vine that this was a moment where some whoever was in the car just happened to Vine this bizarre thing that happened with this, like, disheveled woman. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, like, no, that was a persona. That was a curation. And this, she, this is all purposeful. It was all done on purpose. Like, and it's always it, a little heartbreaking when, like, your favorite vine you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing about all of our identities online is that they are versions of who we want to be perceived as at that moment. Uh-huh. I've talked before about how I used to, like, be pretty exclusive 
for a while on Facebook with only posting stuff about my art endeavors because I just wanted to be known as an artist. And I started to realize that like, one, it must be really exhausting for all my friends to constantly see like, check out this thing I'm doing, check out this thing I'm doing, check out this thing I was written in. Leah the overachiever. Yeah, where (laughs) I've been actively trying to be like, well, this is what I'm reading, this is what I'm into, this is what I'm thinking because Uh I have been starting to think about that curation. I'm sure that you do with your Instagram page. Yeah, I mean, my Instagram page is not real life. (laughs) I've stated before. I mean, it is real. It is like, I do have Avocado Toast Club at work every Tuesday. I do make damn good meals every once in a while. These are my friends. I do go to Urban Bean Coffee Shop every morning. But it's like the most perfect split second of that whole process that I'll post to Instagram. And I do it for the likes and I do it for potential work. And, and you I do it for the vine. It. Sorry. What? <laughs> do it for the vine? Yeah, sorry. I can do it. But I'll <laughs> because Instagram has brought me those things. It has brought me business. It has brought me money. It has brought me friends. I literally, some of my really good friends I've met via the internet on Instagram. And um, so when people assume that Instagram is my life and that's, you know, everything that I've done that weekend I've posted and they know everything about me, it's really upsetting. And that's why I ended up putting that, you know, not real life thing in there because I just hope that people understand that. And I do share a lot more than the average person probably but it's also for a reason it's fueled by I want to make money (laughs) yeah I think both of us have been very fortunate in getting to live I would say like a to to sound kind of whimsical a charmed life Uh where we do get to experience things that many people do not and it's awesome to share those moments yes and like to that a lot of people that I don't even know come up to me recognize me from Instagram or friends of friends and they're like wow I follow you on Instagram your life looks so amazing looks like you have so much fun every day and for that I'm like well you didn't see me crying in my bed listening to Elliot Smith last night but <laughs> like, you can do that too <laughs> like, yeah you can go to Chuck E. Cheese with your friends you can go cliff jumping with your friends you can do all of these things and as corny as it sounds I hope that maybe my Instagram inspires people to do that it's like yeah, it's to not be that motivated. hard to have a fun life. <laughs> or at least see the good moments in it. And right. I think that what becomes interesting when people take so much stock and not having perspective when they see these like curated personas is that I was just thinking about when people post on Twitter or on Facebook like feeling depressed or like <laughs> that when they actually do the things that like the Elliot Smith crying in the bed. Yeah. Um, I'm so intolerant to it. Right. It's like... Um, which is maybe... Also something that's a little bit sad about this idea that we only want to see perfection. True. I mean, on the flip side, like, I think, like I stated this already in the conversation, but I think because, like, some people view these platforms as a communication tool and some of them as a broadcasting tool that when somebody broadcasts about, like, so everything that you just said, Uh uh, where you're purposefully... Um, curating specific type of imagery uh, or experiences is because of um, either financial gain or like specific agendas that you have with that. It's like when somebody posts the negative, the the raw emotion, I think that we all immediately go to, well, what are they trying to gain or what are they trying to manipulate from that information? Like, I think it's hard for us right now when we participate in social media, if somebody 
says something like being depressed or negative that we think about it in a way that they're communicating that they need help. I think that we're thinking, well, what are you trying to get from this? Yeah. You shared with me this fake lives on Instagram page. It's like a photograph series of, they actually like cut out the Instagram page. So it's like a hole and you can see like the likes and the comments and they have it framed up to what you see in the Instagram. But then outside of that frame, you can still see in the photo what's going on around it. So it's like a girl doing a handstand in a park will actually her friend is holding up her legs and yeah that was the funniest one to me (laughs) yeah it's just like I can relate to that a lot because like for example the other night weeks ago I was like cooking this great dinner and it ended up taking a long time and I was starving so I started like eating like Cheetos and like Nutella (laughs) because I was really hungry and then I post this like picture of this like healthy like you know pork tenderloin and roasted carrots and sweet potatoes and it's like out of the frame there's literally like orange dust and like a spoon of Nutella like (laughs) (laughs) and so it's just like this is you can choose to show people you know what you think they want to see or what you want to be perceived as it's just really interesting to me yeah I think that like even the idea of the selfie the Uh reason that that form of picture taking is so popular is because of the angle and you look thinner because your chin is up right and you can kind of like I love when like people give a hard time on um, women for like taking selfies of like one corner of their face you know you get like part of a lip and an eye yeah like the very cropped in selfie I think that women get have a are much more scrutinized for their participation in social media uh-huh. And I, there was um, an interview with Ariana Grande uh-huh. recently. I don't know if you got to see it. She was in a radio station and there was two DJ, two male DJs talking to her and they were like, oh, well, women can't put down their phones. And Ariana Grande was like, women and men can't put down their phones. And they're like, well, women love taking pictures of themselves. And she kept correcting them. Well, women and men like doing that. Uh-huh. And then I also went to uh, our performance last Sunday called Maxi Pad <laughs> in Oakland where a part of the performance of the women had like selfie sticks and like they were talking about vanity but I was like you know I'm I'm kind of exhausted at this idea that you know we're forced as women to constantly think about our physical appearance and to portray ourselves as our best beautiful selves and then on the same side we are criticized for being too vain and self-involved and uh narcissistic it's like right awesome we can't win (laughs) exactly it's like the whole like selfie shaming and uh, I mean you're totally right like we're expected to be this like beautiful entity and then when we appreciate ourselves we're called like self-involved and yeah I don't give a shit if you post a selfie every day I'll like it like (laughs) and like truth be told selfies get the most likes I would never selfie shame you oh thank you I get really yes. self-conscious about it. Uh, Harold w- talked um, in our My first Harold. episode where he said that he has an anti-selfie stance because he said that it's just not interesting. Like, it's just not interesting photo- like photography to him. And um, I, I mean, like, I can understand that, but uh, this whole episode has been about relationships and, like, I miss a lot of people's faces. I like right. seeing what they look like. I like looking at myself over the years and my friends over the years and what's changed and what's different. And I love that my mom tries to take selfies of herself with a flip phone. I think that it's not this part of our culture that makes us too self-involved. I think it's 
part of our culture that expresses that maybe we find ourselves beautiful because honestly we especially women have been kind of forced into thinking constantly thinking that you're not beautiful (laughs) right like what is I don't understand what the issue is of someone liking how they look one day or and want to feel the need to photograph it and post it like I think that's awesome and that like makes me really happy when I see friends that post selfies friends that normally don't post them it's like that's amazing and confidence is like something that I feel like our generation struggles with a lot and like even to that point I've had a lot of women come up to me that follow me on Instagram and say I saw you wearing a crop top and I realized that I can wear a crop top too so oh yeah you definitely started a crop top revolution amongst our friend group yeah it was 2014 was the summer of crop tops right yeah it's yeah, a good summer it was like I don't it was at first when someone said that to me I was like what are you talking about like why can't you wear a crop top anyone like I have I'm a big girl like and I wear crop tops all the time and I didn't understand that it was like a thing that someone needed to see someone else their size wearing them to give them the permission to wear it and like I had some people tag me in their photos like thanks to ERE you know me I'm like rocking this crop top today and like that like made my heart feel kind of good like I think a lot of times especially millennials are perceived as almost like overly confident or overly Mm self-involved and I think that the reason that you see all this hyper curation and this like capturing of the perfect moment there are people like you who are really calculated and understand what they're doing and why they're doing it but then there's a lot of people who are struggling with this idea of trying to figure out who they are and they're afraid to present anything besides what is perfect if they don't see different things and different people it's it's hard to understand what is socially acceptable for them or what they feel is socially acceptable for them all of this you know movement to defining ourselves online and trying to discuss like be creative about the way that we present one another i mean it's not entirely new like we've talked about already that people had work selves and regular life selves you know far before this technology this technology has just created a lot more avenues and platforms to portray different parts of your personality or like augment parts of your personality at a speed and a visibility that hasn't previously existed in history. But with that has also come a lot of creativity with how, like your Instagram, there's so many times where it looks like a work of art because it is. There are now like that type of idea of like how to express yourself creatively is working its way in to other traditional parts of our lives like this isn't going away we you shared a story with me that now people are submitting resumes via snapchat Uh like more and more things like this are going to keep happening and that's why i think it's so important to talk about what does it mean to curate yourself how do we not lose ourselves in this curation I think both of us are a little bit dismissive of the girl who said that she's quitting Instagram and social media, but maybe that was a teenager that lost who she was through that hyper curation. And this hyper curation is not going away. So I think it's important, like you're saying, that we recognize that this this is a powerful tool that we can use to our advantage. You can show people your crop top. You can show your strength you know (laughs) (laughs) but you can show your confidence yes yeah and I think it's you have to be smart about it it's almost like you have to be 
above what Instagram, Snapchat, all of that is. And be in control of your life as a real human to then make your life online. Emily, this was a really thoughtful and interesting conversation. And I'm so glad that we are friends so we could talk about being friends on the internet. Just so everybody can know where to see your beautiful Instagram pages and your interesting content, where can people find you online? Any platform at ERE. Yeah, you know me. Thanks again, Emily. This was great. Thank you, Leah. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Share your thoughts and opinions about this episode's themes on Twitter at and the internet, and on the blog at leeandtheinternet.com. You can also find the show on facebook.com slash internet.